This is your Friday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Thanks, everybody, for joining me here today and all week. If you missed any episodes, please go back and listen uh, over the weekend, if you would. A lot of uh, I know we do a daily podcast here, and a lot of times they get to, you know, you're on to the next one, but a lot of these have staying power beyond just one day, and I know a lot of you guys go back and listen to more of them if you miss a day, so I do appreciate that. But just a reminder... It's not wrong to go back, even though it is daily delivery, and catch Wednesday, Tuesday, Thursday, whatever day it is that looks like you might like it. Today should be great. Got uh, Jason Wildey from Wisconsin Radio, Wisconsin-based writer, on to talk Packers here in a little bit. Packers-Vikings on Sunday at U.S. Bank Stadium. Big game for both teams, really, for a lot of different reasons. Mark Craig will join me in a little bit, too, to talk about that game and to talk about his weekly NFL picks. Yeah, I got a little setup of a big Gophers women's basketball game this weekend and uh, plenty of other good stuff coming up next week as well. But first, what did I miss? It was a day of messages and really messages received. Wild coach Dean Evison didn't like what he saw from the Wild in the last 4-1 loss to San Jose the other day, so he shook up the lineups. Um, Separated some players who've been playing together, trying to jumpstart some guys, and uh, trying to get them to to put together a more complete effort. Timberwolves hadn't liked the way they've been playing, really, since for as long as I can remember, last couple seasons at least. When they win a game, they tended to coast the next game and not play well. So their challenge from head coach Chris Finch, from veteran guard Patrick Beverly was to play better in this second game of a back-to-back against the Spurs on Thursday night after beating Sacramento the night before. Messages received, I would say. Both teams win in rather comfortable fashion. Blowouts, if you will. Wild 7-2 over Dallas Stars. Ryan Suter comes back for Dallas. Um, see his old team, his new team, does not find any defensive success. Probably a measure of, uh, I don't know, uh, for for Wild fans, probably a measure of, uh, okay, we're on the right track kind of thing with that game. Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Zuccarello get separated on their lines, but they end up playing together some in the game anyway. And when they are on the ice together, they combine for three goals in about five minutes of ice time together, which was pretty Cool, so maybe you just have to take them apart to make them appreciate playing together. Victor Rask back in the lineup had a nice game. Seven goals from seven different players in the game. I guess the message was received. Wild looked great. Improved to 11-5 and this season. Timberwolves, same thing. Challenged to play better in the second half of back-to-back. Challenged to play better in games after a victory come out on fire against the Spurs, take a 20-point lead in the first quarter, uh, maintain a a comfortable lead pretty much throughout, end up winning 115-90. to They shoot the ball really well. Uh, Anthony Towns, another really efficient game. He had 25 points. D'Angelo Russell had a good game for for the Wolves as well, got some good bench production with Jaden McDaniels, Torian Prince, and Malik Beasley all topping 13 points or more. Anthony Edwards didn't have a big scoring night, but 13 points, five rebounds, six assists, two steals, two blocks, filling up the stat sheet in another 
good game for Anthony Edwards. Just a, a solid all-around game, 115-90. to 90, Pretty much a wire-to-wire win for the Wolves. And uh, so, you know, listen, San Antonio is not the Spurs you remember. They're 4-11 this season. Not a good team, but, you know, Sacramento, kind of the same thing. Sacramento's better than the Spurs, but kind of in that uh, middle to bottom of the of the, of the the West, kind of like the Wolves are right now. If you are going to have any sort of chance to contend this year, those are games you have to win, and the Wolves took care of business in both of those games. they got an opportunity now. Um, they play Memphis on Saturday, another chance to uh, to feel better about themselves in that game. And then they go to New Orleans. So a chance to put together a little winning streak. I mean, Memphis is a good team, but that's a, that's a home game. Try to prove that, you know, when you blew that lead to Memphis last time, that was, you know, that you can finish out a game, things like that. So a chance to put together a a little bit of a run here, at least a 3-1 and one stretch, if, if nothing else. But uh, at the bottom line for both of those teams, the Wolves and the Wild, messages sent to them by their head coaches and messages definitely received on the ice and on the court on Thursday night. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Happy to have on Daily Delivery today, Jason Wildey. Crossing the border here, Jason, you are on a popular radio show, Wildey and Tausch. You write, you do all sorts of stuff, and you do it with the Green Bay Packers. Um, it is Vikings Packers week. Give me, uh, Jason, first off, how you doing? I'm great. I know the uh, illustrious guests that have appeared on this podcast, so I do feel some modicum of pressure, but I'll uh, I'll try to deliver as best I can, buddy. Well, I appreciate that. Appreciate that. It's uh, yeah. The, the guests have been you know the guests have been good, and we do have our fun with the Packers from time to time. But Green Bay, obviously, in the midst of a a very good yet very dramatic last six months with everything that's happened with Aaron Rodgers and. Maybe surprisingly, the defense being a big part of the story this year. Maybe we can, before we get into the Rodgers drama with you know both both the off season and then with COVID recently. Maybe we can talk about the substantive stuff and the defense and how well that side of the ball has played, even with with a lot of the injuries they've had. Yeah, didn't see it coming. I'll be honest. Uh, I looked at Joe Barry's track record as a defensive coordinator. Uh, not very good in Detroit. Uh, Again, for a team that I think uh, went 0-16 one of his two years. So there's certainly the talent dearth was probably a factor there, but not very good in Washington either. Uh, and a defense that, frankly, wasn't all that bad last year. And, and you could argue, uh, while it certainly had some mistakes in the NFC Championship game, they gave the ball to Aaron Rodgers plenty with a bunch of picks of Tom Brady. So, you know, I, I didn't think that they would be horrible defensively. Um and then they played their opener and were horrible defensively. I thought they'd be decent. I did not think they would be a top-five defense. They right now are third in the league in scoring defense and total defense. Where they are defensively is a credit not only to Joe Barry, but it's also to a scheme that has become extremely popular in the NFL, this this Vic Fangio-style, keep-everything-in-front-of-you, really prevent big plays. It's kind of the new Tampa 2 that was so good at that once upon a time. And then a bunch of guys who, quite frankly, have no business being this good. They have played this season 
almost exclusively without Jair Alexander and without Darius Smith, two all-pro, Pro Bowl players that I would argue were the two best players on their defense, and they've had to play without both of them. So it has definitely been a surprise. And while Aaron Rodgers said he wouldn't quite go so far as to call this a defensive-oriented team, the defense has really kept them in some games where the offense has struggled. You know, one of those guys we're very familiar with, Devondre Campbell, played at University of Minnesota. He's, I mean, not to say he's come out of nowhere, but the production he's given that side of the ball at linebacker on a, you know, a pretty modest contract has been a pretty significant return on investment. Yeah, you don't expect to get a guy who has had the level of impact that he's had uh, in the middle of June, which is when they signed him. Uh, you know, Tausch doesn't like it. As a former NFL player, Tausch doesn't like it when I say he was on the street because he was really in his home, Devontae Campbell was. But still, he was available. And uh, the impact that he's had, the thing that everyone associated with the Packers' defense and – Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers have said is, how the hell was this guy without a job? Uh, he has been a difference maker. It is a position that has been problematic for them for a very long time. Uh, lots of tackles, not a lot of splash plays or difference making plays. And Campbell has come in and given them everything, uh, including running the defense as the chief communicator. So it really has been one of those additions that you make it at the time and think, okay, this guy could help us, but there's no way Brian Gutekunst said this guy could be one of our best defensive players. Indeed, and we'll see, you know, if they can sustain that for the rest of the year. Vikings, you know, Vikings offensively have certain, you know, certainly have some playmakers and looked better last week, so that could be an interesting kind of chess match on Sunday. Jason, let's get to the let's get to the juicy stuff. Aaron Rodgers, um, as everything that's happened in the last six months with you know with the trade you know trade or not wanting to be there talk at least and then that seemed to be at least papered over somewhat although his his talk at the beginning of the year didn't exactly make it sound like all the fences had been mended and then the covid stuff where in my opinion and at least my estimation he lied or at least intentionally misled people about his vaccination status how has all of that played out um, especially now, he's on the injury report. There's, there's never a dull moment with him. Not this year there hasn't been, no. And, and and I do think all of that ties together to some degree because, you know, what's very strange about the timing of everything coming apart with the COVID di- diagnosis, uh, his unvaccinated status coming to light, all that stuff, was that he seemed to be in a – surprisingly good place with the front office. Uh, You know, I did a story on The Athletic where he talked about how he'd seen changes in people that have really surprised him, meaning Brian Gutekunst and Mark Murphy uh, and Russ Ball, uh, the kind of the three-headed leadership on the uh, front office side. Um, And then he talked uh, on a Pat McAfee appearance about how Brian Gutekunst was having conversations with him that really meant a lot and had really pleased him that he was being included in the discussion, which was one of his complaints during the offseason. He revealed this week that he was part of the discussion about whether to add Odell Beckham Jr. So everything seemed to be trending upward in terms of the relationship. And then, of course, 
the COVID thing hits where in some ways, and this is why it complicates things, in some ways it was an opportunity for them to see that Jordan Love does not appear to be ready. And moving on from Aaron Rodgers after this season would probably be close to uh, the NFL malpractice. At the same time, you know, it's kind of a thing where Brian Gutekunst, I think, was frustrated with some things personally with Rodgers in the past. And then for him to go out and flout some of the rules, get the team fined, put the team in a position where they were on a seven-game winning streak and now he's unavailable, um, I'm sure part of Goody is looking at that going, see, this is why this life bothers me. Um, the question is, does whatever it is about Rodgers that bothers Gutekunst and the front office and the personnel staff, does it rise to the level of we'd be better off with Jordan Love as our quarterback and not having to deal with this guy, or is it, yeah, he's a pain in the butt, but he's our best chance to win a Super Bowl and we'd be stupid to move on from him? I think that's the question they will ask after this season. He cannot come back on the current contract that he has. He's signed through next year, but his caliber is $46 million. They cannot leave that the way it is. So they will either trade him or extend him and commit to him beyond the 2022 season. It's going to be fascinating. I don't particularly look forward to it. But there's a lot of football left to be played, and as we found out last week with him contracting COVID-19, you just never know what's around the corner for him. You know, that cap number of $46 million sounds very familiar. Kirk Cousins has a $45 million cap hit in 2022. Probably not the same scale of quarterbacks, obviously, but a decision time for the Vikings in that vein as well. That's interesting. I didn't realize that cap number got pushed that high. I mean, to me, it's bonkers to even consider getting rid of him, even if he's dissatisfied. I mean, he's he's the single greatest I mean, Tom Brady's had more individual team success, but just in terms of pure quarterbacking, I don't think I've seen a better one than Aaron Rodgers. And just the, the way this has deteriorated to this point is is interesting to me, just kind of from a from a distance. And maybe the final thought for you is, you know, seeing Jordan Love play, does that, you know, you touched on it a little bit, but does that give them a little organizational pause, or is this just a, a matter of, well, it, it's still very early in his development. You remember Aaron Rodgers sat for three years behind Brett Favre before he got a chance to play. Like, Is is it still a, a path where they feel like he is their quarterback of the future? Uh, I think that there is probably, I don't want to use the word schism to take us back to the old Brett Favre days, but um, I think that there is definitely a difference of opinion on that. I think that there are coaches that feel like they need to ride Aaron Rodgers until the wheels fall off. And then you kind of figure out what you're going to do then. Like, you know, you look at Jameis Winston before his injury. Like, you pick up a Marcus Mariota, guys that have pretty good pedigrees that haven't panned out, and maybe a change of scenery clicks for them. And you don't have to have spent a first-round pick on a guy the way the Packers did. But now that is, you know, water under the bridge. My question is, did Brian Gutekunst, enough, not just against the Chiefs when they're actually playing a regular season game where the defense is trying and running real schemes, but did he see enough in training camp practices throughout the offseason when Rodgers wasn't here with his discontent, throughout the preseason games? Did he see enough to say, you know what, 
I don't know if this guy will ever be ready. Maybe this we keep him because he's a decent insurance policy. We've already invested the pick, but we have to have Rodgers be the guy. I don't know how Goody is looking at that because I also think that there is an arrogance among all scouts and GMs, not just him, that they always think that the reason why a player isn't good is not because their evaluation was wrong, but because he wasn't used right or he wasn't coached right or or something is preventing him from reaching the potential that they saw in him when they drafted him. And so I don't know what Brian Gutekunst is going to decide there, but he is, you know, he's known to be stubborn and have a strong opinion that he is always right. So if he decides that, no, Jordan loves the guy, then they will try to get as many draft picks as they can for Rodgers and uh, move forward. I just, I just look at so many teams and you obviously are up close with one of them, that spends so much time, so many years, searching for the guy. And the Packers were fortunate that when they decided to move on from Favre because they couldn't win in the cold weather anymore, um, that they really did believe Rodgers was going to be a stud. I don't think that they have enough evidence to feel the same way about Jordan Love in 2021 as they felt about Aaron Rodgers in 2007. I just don't think they have the evidence to feel that way. They'd be taking it on faith. They'd be taking a risk, and they'd be running the risk of being in those teams, you know, whether it's the Bears or whoever, that just keep trying, keep trying, keep trying searching for that guy, something they haven't had to do in three decades. It would make Vikings fans very happy to see that play out in a certain way, but we we won't we don't know how that will happen. And for now, of course, it's Rogers. I'm assuming the toe thing is not a big deal. It's enough to keep him out of practice again today, but uh, he said he's definitely playing. The issue that though there is he the last time he had really a true practice was before they played Washington on October 24th. They had the short week the following week to play Arizona on Thursday night. All they did was walkthroughs. Came back from their mini buy, had a light practice on Monday, November 1st that he took part in. Had the COVID symptoms on Tuesday the 2nd, tested positive Wednesday the 3rd. Didn't practice all that week, didn't play against the Chiefs. Didn't practice all last week, played against Seattle, and now isn't practicing this week. And as someone who has talked many times as a quarterback about the value of practice, at some point, you have to acknowledge that not practicing is probably going to hurt not only your performance, but being on the same page with your guys. That'll be interesting. Another little subplot for Sunday is if we needed more. Jason Wildey, good stuff. I'm glad we got a chance to catch up, and maybe we can do this again down the road. I will definitely do this again down the road, buddy. Thanks for having me. You bet. Take care. All right. You too. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jason Wildey. I think it was interesting that he noted how little the Packers have been able to practice with Aaron Rodgers in recent weeks. Probably doesn't matter a ton for a guy that late in his career, but it, he's right. Rodgers has preached over the years the importance of practice, and we'll see if that is a factor in Sunday's game. It's NFL Picks time. Mark Craig joins me as he does every Friday during the NFL season. It's a big one, Mark. It's Packers Vikings week. We talked I talked about this with Ben Gessling and Andrew Kramer a little bit on the Access Vikings podcast Wednesday, but you know, when it it feels it feels like this is an important game for both teams, but it feels like this rivalry is 
better when both teams are kind of on more equal footing. And right now the, the Packers clearly have the upper hand after last year and what we've seen so far this year. How, how do you feel as far as a Vikings Packers week goes, how, how does this feel to you in terms of the rivalry? Well, I mean, uh, obviously it helps going to Los Angeles and winning, you know, uh, what's going on in the NFL right now in the past two weeks, you've seen eight teams with losing records beat division leading teams. And that hasn't happened, you know, eight times in two weeks since 1970. Um, so you're seeing kind of a, in a crazy, crazy league, it's even crazier uh, in that, you know, teams with seven, eight wins are losing to teams with three wins. Um, you know, the rivalry, you know, to me is it's been, obviously it's been heavily in favor of the Packers because they've had hall of fame quarterbacks going back to 1992. Um, you know, Zimmer brought a little bit of juice to the, with the defense when, uh, when he won his first division title, I mean, they went there to green Bay and that last, night of the rhythm played a night game to end the regular season and you know the offense did nothing but he walks out of there with a win that was you know that's a big jewel for for a coach to be able to do that um you know i feel like the rivalry obviously you know the, the, in order to win the division you got to win the Vikings got to win this because it's a matter of going you're either two and a half down with seven to go or four and a half down and having to play the packers again in lambo so you know, I I feel like that it, this the rivalry is is leaning toward the toward the the Packers, but you know I still think U.S. Bank Stadium is going to be pretty uh, pretty excited on on Sunday. Yeah, their first chance to uh, see a Vikings Packers game in person since the 2019 season, so that uh, that will uh, add an element to it. You picked the Packers in this game. Uh, I think the final score you had in your picks that you write for. Star Tribune, StarTribune.com was 28 to 21. Kind of a tough one to pick, I would think. Just, you know, we're seeing a lot of different injury designations for, for both teams. It's, you know, the big one on Green Bay's side being Aaron Rodgers didn't practice on Wednesday. Not, you know, guessing he will play, but, you know, to what extent does the, the toe injury that he's dealing with um, bother him? And still, you know, hasn't been able to practice that much uh, lately because of the the stint on the COVID list. So, you know, as, as you think about it, how complicated is this one to kind of sort out? And might this be one a case where, you know, once we know who all is standing, once, once we get to Sunday, it might be easier to kind of figure out, okay, this, this versus that. Yeah. I mean, if, uh, if number 12 is out, all bets are off, uh, you know, then, then uh, you know, I, you know, I feel like if, if, if Rogers misses a game, the Vikings win because it's in, it's in Minnesota, the Vikings uh, will, will win the game. But uh, you know, to me, it is very hard to determine because you have, you know, you've got a lot of injuries on the Packers defense. You know, they lost uh, two outside linebackers are probably one's on uh, one on injured reserve uh, merciless. And then the other Gary probably won't play. Uh, Zadarius Smith hasn't been played much this year. He's not coming back. Uh, Alexander, the cornerback hasn't played much, but, they have played really outstanding. This is the best defense they've played since 2010 when they won the Super Bowl. You know, so to me, it's it's hard to figure with with all the injuries. Um, but obviously, it's it's Rodgers. If Rod, if the if the Vikings had played this game with Rodgers having missed a week, and the Vikings are at home because of COVID and he didn't practice at all, I think the Vikings win the game. But I think he had that game under his belt. Um, we'll see how much he practiced this week, but. I just like sort of like my I like the Vikings going out to Los Angeles and 
when they were down, kind of rising back up. I kind of see this, you know, settling down to where the better team with the better quarterback wins. Um, although Kirk is playing very well, but he's just not Aaron Rodgers. How is the Packers defense doing it? You mentioned a lot of those injuries. I've been surprised at that side of the ball. I mean, I don't know if it's, I don't know if you can say they've been carrying the team, but you know, and they've been keeping them close in recent weeks and you know, that they've had a pretty good, you know, they've had to face some pretty good quarterbacks lately, but Mahomes and Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson came back from his injury last week and they've limited all three of those guys pretty well. Yeah. I mean, they had the Mahomes had his worst game as a pro against them. It's just, you know, it was time to where Jordan Love was the quarterback and they lost 13 to seven. Um, you know, Joe Barry came in with that, that defense and really had that first game where they lost 38 to three to the Saints in Jacksonville, which was probably a home game for the Packers uh, with all the fans down there. Um, you know, to me, that, that that defense has played exceptionally well. Carrying, carrying is probably a strong word, but they are certainly, uh, you know, prepared to go into the postseason. I mean, when we last saw the Packers defense last year with in the postseason, they're at home. They need a stop, and they can't stop Tom Brady and, and the Buccaneers. So they made a lot of changes. They used their first-round draft pick on a corner. Uh, a lot of people up in, up in arms about that, but that's what they needed, I think. Um, so yeah, they're, you know, they're right there and they're, they're every bit a part of why I pick them to win, you know, uh, this weekend. One of those guys that's played very well for them this year is former gopher Devondre Campbell. Remember him from his Minnesota days, really good, really good guy. I, I like following him on social media. You wrote about him earlier this week. Uh, what, what's been his impact over there? Uh, you know, but one of the higher rated linebackers this season. Yeah, I mean, he's the NFC Defensive Player of the Month for October. Uh, he came in, I mean, what a steal. Uh, you know, one-year, $2 million deal he comes in. Uh, he's, he's had some experience as a starter, but uh, he was such a good pick that even Aaron Rodgers complimented Gutekinds to, to, in, in making a good personnel decision. We all know how Aaron wants to be a personnel guy slash owner slash quarterback slash know-it-all. He didn't specifically say Gutekunst. I remember when he complimented no, him no, earlier. It was like the, the front office guys or the, the personnel guys or something. He did not yeah. mention his guy, Goody, by name. Yeah, I would imagine that the uh, the GM is included and would be included in the front office. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the, to come in and play that. And they also, you know, they got another inside linebacker that's playing really well. Uh, they they just have, uh, you know, right now their they're outside linebackers are they're banged up. And that's, that's going to be a big issue. It's, I mean, it's good for Kirk Cousins that uh, – that they're outside linebackers, those edge rushers aren't going to be quite the same. Uh, it doesn't appear um, so, but overall that defense has played really well. Now, lots of upsets in uh, in the in the league last last week, last couple of weeks. Like you said, there's been a lot of you know lopsided scores um, going against the favored teams. That's got to make your you know your job as a prognosticator difficult. But this week, I don't see you having a whole lot of upsets is that a matter of just the matchups not really calling for that this week or just not knowing what the heck i'm doing uh <laughs> well, one of those two you never yeah, know yeah so uh well yeah what was weird about last week is it, what really jumps out to me is that you had uh you had all these blowouts you had you know baltimore uh 12 tampa bay loses by 10 arizona 24 um there, there were all these double digit blowouts, but they were delivered by bad teams beating good teams, which is, which the NFL found a way to, even in a week when, uh, 
there were blowouts. It was unusual and, and probably exciting blowouts for these, these teams. You know, 49ers crushing the Rams on Monday night um, football. It's just, uh, it's hard to pick. I, this year has been a, 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 you know, I've never picked more two and one point games to differences to try and like, you know, be somewhat respectable against the spread. But every time I see my against the spread uh, points, that's what it reminds me why I don't put any money on this stuff. So uh, straight up is relatively easy. Although I'm out of my survivor pools, of course, because of, because the Ravens uh, can't go down to, they go down to Miami and lose. Uh, but, you know, it, it's hard picking against the spread. And I, whoever can do that and make money, hats off. It was those who really know what's going on. Here's the thing. I, I don't think the Ravens are very good. I'm, I'm not buying the Ravens. So I think the Bears actually win that game in Chicago this week. You've got Ravens by 10. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call that one as my upset special. I'm going to go Bears over the Ravens straight up this week. I just don't think Baltimore is all that good. Like you all, they're definitely inconsistent, which is, you know, um, but I think, you know, in hindsight, I should not have picked them because uh, as much as we talked about the Vikings being on the field for 90 plays on defense, uh, Baltimore's on the field for 90 plays on offense. And then at the, on at the NFL, they're so concerned about player safety. They threw the, they throw a team back on the field. Uh, four days later and make them travel. And then they got to play in South beach where the humidity is 9,000%. Uh, so yeah, well, player safety, it's a, uh, it's a high concern in the NFL. So, but, uh, but you better suit up uh, four days later and uh, entertain us on Thanksgiving and all this stuff. So uh, that was probably it, but I see your point that they're not a dominant team, but they can, they can definitely, and they can be a great defense or they could be a, a porous defense. They can be, uh, outstanding offensively with Lamar Jackson doing it all, or he can be inconsistent. So they're a good team, but definitely not a great team. I just keep coming back to the fact that they should have lost to Detroit, and that's my uh, that's my barometer for uh, for any team this year. Yeah, um, that's we, uh, that's a shared feeling around here, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> you're off the, you're off of any Detroit picks. I love how you're picking them. Oh yes, yeah, steamrolled every week. Every every time you pick them to get steamrolled, though, they actually show up. They actually they tied the Steelers last week. And over the years, I, when I've picked them, when I've picked them to be the upset is when, uh, you know, like I picked them to beat Philly and I'm, I'm watching the Vikings game and I'm clicking through, you know, the scores and it's 40 to nothing Philadelphia. And I said, I don't think I'm going to win this uh, upset special this week, but this is my weekly reminder to never pick them again. Although if I'm, if I'm Vikings fans, I, I, I really hope, because I don't think the tide, you know, takes care of it with Pittsburgh. I think they need to lose before they play because they play the Vikings December 5th, which is the week after their Thanksgiving day game against the bears. I'm a Vikings fan. I, I want the, I want them to beat the bears. So they get that zero out of the way before the Vikings show up. I agree with that. A couple more games here. We'll get to your upset specials here in upset special here in a second. Um, probably one of the more interesting games this, this week could be a shootout Dallas against Kansas city. Um, it seems like Patrick Mahomes is maybe hitting his stride this season. Dallas has Dak Prescott back. Um, you know, neither team uh, figures to be able to do much to stop the other. You've got Kansas City winning 44-41 in overtime. I love that uh, Love that optimism for a, a fun, high-scoring game. Uh, how, how do you see this one playing out? 
Well, yeah, there's already, there's already been 14 overtimes, and the, and the record for the NFL is 95. In 1995, they had 18, so we're not, you know, we're halfway through the season. Um, I don't know. I I sort of see the Chiefs starting to be the Chiefs again, and you know they're not turning the ball over. They, uh, Mahomes has gone two games in a row without turning the ball over. I don't know that the defense is ever going to be great, but um, you know, and Dallas is playing better defense than I gave him credit for earlier in the year. Um, I like a high scoring game. I like Mahomes becoming Mahomes, more Mahomes and, and Dak. This is our first meeting. It's kind of, I would love to sit down and watch this game because uh, I do think it will be an entertaining back and forth game uh, where, you know, of course, obviously turnovers can mess everything up. But I, you know, I think that these are two, obviously, maybe the two most talented offenses in the league uh, with the most weapons and everything. So the quarterbacks play well. It should be a really entertaining game. Last one, Cardinals at Seahawks. That's your upset special. You've got Seahawks by one. These two teams are hard to figure out. There's like five or six teams in the in the league, I feel like, that are really hard to figure out week to week. The Saints are probably one of them. Um, you know, I'm having a hard time figuring out the Patriots, although they seem like they're kind of uh, hitting – they've been hitting their stride or they played that Thursday night game. Um, you know, Cardinals-Seahawks, Russell Wilson gets shut out coming back last week, but – should face less resistance from the Cardinals. Cardinals kind of, you know, kind of come back to earth after after that start. Probably going to become probably one of those games that's going to going to come down to who makes the either the last score or the last stop. It would feel like. Yeah, I mean, I just sort of sense the Cardinals kind. Of, I mean, they had a hard, they had a real hot start last year too. I don't, I don't believe they, well, they didn't go eight and zero, but they had a hot start last year and then really kind of came back to earth. Sort of see that happening now. Obviously, a lot depends on Kyler Murray and if he if he plays. And uh, they won a game, you know, without him. They lost a game without him. Um, and also the Seahawks. I mean, it's a shutout is surprising, I guess. But um, Russell Wilson coming back, uh, playing in Green Bay with the weather, uh, with that with the finger, uh, first game back. I'm not surprised that he struggled. I sort of have a feeling because he's like 16 and four at home in, in November. And I just sort of get the sense that the Seahawks are going to kind of return to that home field advantage with Russell Wilson um, and the Cardinals kind of coming back to earth or coming back to the middle of the pack, like, um, like they typically do. Um, so, yeah, but it, I think it'll be a close game, one score game. Good stuff. Mark, we'll be looking forward to Sunday's game. Vikings, need this one i think to to stay in any kind of you know to stay on a confident path to stay on a, a you know i don't think there's a great team i think you wrote about this earlier this week i don't think there's a great seventh team in the nfc right now to the point that nine wins probably gets you in at nine and eight to kind of the way things stack up right now don't you think probably in the nfc and the seventh team in the nfc right now is carolina of course carolina uh, and I, i've said this i don't know if i wrote it or not but Christian McCaffrey could be the MVP just based on the games he doesn't play. You know, it's like when he doesn't play, Carolina is my, there's nothing. I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're a terrible team, but when he plays and he's healthy and they get him the, you know, they, they use him in the run and run game in the pass game. Uh, they, they're tough. Um, but, you know, certainly they're not a dominant team or a, you don't have to be dominant. You, know, you just got to get into the playoffs and be hot and, and get on a roll. There's been so many teams that have done that. Uh, you, know, if, you know, just in the in the NFC, I, I do think nine wins get you in. In the AFC, I, I don't think nine wins get you in. 
Well, we'll see how it all plays out. Good stuff, Mark. We'll talk to you again next week. All right. All right. See you, Michael. The Vikings have a real opportunity here to, to pull even closer into this playoff race. You know, Atlanta just got drubbed by uh, the, the Patriots on Thursday Night Football. They got shut out. Atlanta's not any good. They're going to fade fast in that playoff race. They're four and six. Carolina currently has a half game lead over the Vikings for that seventh and final playoff spot. But consider this Carolina has already lost to the Vikings. So any head to head tiebreaker goes to the Vikings. And Carolina's last four games of the season at the Bills, home against the Buccaneers, at the Saints, home at the Buccaneers. So three road games, all four games against good contending teams. That could be a stretch where they struggle at the end of the year, and the Vikings could perhaps make up ground and steal that last playoff spot. Let's finish with the cooler battle for Atlantis this weekend in the Bahamas. Gophers against UConn in women's basketball. That should be pretty cool. Um, Paige Beckers, of course, the uh, the superstar, uh, former Minnesota standout, now playing yeah, for UConn and Gino Ariema. He they will be down in uh, down in Bahamas to to play against the Gophers. So just something worth uh, something worth watching in that game. Beckers idolized Gophers coach Lindsey Whalen growing up, had a poster of her in her bedroom, things like that. So just kind of a cool confluence of things in that game. Definitely one that I'm looking forward to watching, too, as a measuring stick for where the Gophers women's program is right now as well. That will do it for me today. Good stuff coming up this weekend. You'll want to watch a lot of TV. Minnesota United playoff game Sunday. Talked to Adrian Heath earlier this week. If you missed that one, go back and listen. Really good stuff from Adrian setting that one up. Of course, Vikings against the Packers on Sunday. Gophers against Indiana on Saturday. Should be a good game for them to hopefully get well. We'll see how it all shakes out. Thanks for listening all week. Be back at it on Monday.